0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope your weekend was beautiful. Mine was so, so relaxing. Uh... Yeah, times are tough. I don't know about y'all, but uh, my schedule and my nervous system and my psyche are definitely overloaded. So I've been saying no to anything additional trying to be brought in. So thank you to everyone that's been reaching out to ask me to uh, be on their podcast or on their talk show or their online platform or interviewing me and someone even reached out about a book review. Sorry if I haven't gotten back to everyone. I'm tired. (laughs) My clinical work is my priority. I'm showing up to that. Also doing the radio show. But um, yeah, I'm kind of taking care of myself uh, and I just don't have the bandwidth to really gauge everything that's coming at me. But I'm trying also sending some people some voice memos uh, that are reaching out on DMs. Uh, it's far easier, more fun that way. So I hope I don't scare you when instead of a text back, you hear my voice. Great show plan for you though. We're going to talk about election stress. Really important. We'll probably talk about that a few times because, you know, again, a lot of people are stressed in a way they haven't been before because, you know, watching God that anti-feminist bigot Amy get voted in. And uh, just looking at what might happen in the election, understandably, people are worried about their human rights, civil rights, and whether or not they'll get their basic needs met. And we've seen with the current president that that just isn't what happened. And in fact, not only does he handle everything poorly, he looks out for himself first and has started to try to roll back some of the rights that have been afforded to women uh, decades ago, and also rights for other exploited minor- and marginalized populations, especially people that are gay or trans. So... God bless it. You know, got your back. Um, Okay, so question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. And then we'll be doing some DMs. But I wanted to open up with something that's going kind of viral. I put a pro-choice post on my IG, had to turn the comment section off because people were just flooding in with hate. you know. And it's like, everyone gets to make a decision uh, based on what's right for their mental health and their body. And I will always stand behind that. It might not make sense to everyone. It might not be what everyone else would choose to do, but that's okay. It's not your mental health or your body that we're talking about or your life that's impacted. So you do what makes sense to you. And if getting an abortion does make sense to you, please, please do not get one. That then is not the right decision for your mental health, but for a lot of individuals that I work with, even people that I love and are dear and are close to me, having an abortion was absolutely an important part of their healthcare and also their mental health care. And I'm glad they did it. I'm glad it was available. And we know the studies show that making abortion illegal only leads to people still doing it, but in more dangerous ways. So if you're truly pro-life, uh, having abortion as a legal and safe possibility saves lives. It saves lives of the individual who is currently in front of us living, and uh, they get to decide for themselves. Now, the reason why I bring it up also is because Stevie Nicks came out saying she's thankful she had an abortion, allowed her to have the career she wanted. I was so sad to see the comments. People saying that's really selfish. You're right, it is. People are allowed to be selfish. I don't know where we got the idea that we're not allowed to be. We're allowed to be very self centering. I want people to care about the impact they're having on others, but in that in that in that moment, she is allowed to assess her health, her mental health, and what makes sense to her. And she made the decision she made, and uh, I'm proud of her. Again, people that are important in my life have made that decision. So when you're slamming that, you're slamming people I care about. So I'm going to come for you, and I'm going to sit you down. Um, so you know, again, if something doesn't make sense to you, don't do it. If you don't like gay people getting married, then don't be gay or don't be gay and get married like mind your biz. You know what I mean? And that's really what this is about. Liberation and freedom. I will always stand behind that. The right for people to decide for themselves what happens to their psyche, their body and um, not some random person. And also just as far as religion, yes, there's a lot of Catholic and Christian people that are also pro-choice because they also understand that it's a very complex, nuanced issue and it's not as simple as, let's just make it illegal because we're not comfortable with it. Uh, Spoke to God myself and she said she's cool with it. She understands the complexity. So for those that are saying God doesn't like it, you're actually wrong. Okay, so uh, Stevie Nicks, thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability as well as everyone else. We have to try to let people again live the lives that make sense to them. that's the work. We're not trying to keep uh, throwing up boundaries and limits on people, right? We need to give them an expansive set of possibilities so they can choose for themselves what makes sense. And I'm talking about everything. Um, you know, it's that's part of the civil rights movement is you know letting women have the right to vote, right? Let's start there. Uh, segregation issues, letting people have access to whatever a water fountain, seat on the bus. Uh, opportunity, you know, changing gender norms on identification so people of all different gender expressions can live a full life and just trying to expand healthcare options and availability as well. So also quick reminder, vote. (laughs) My God, please y'all, please don't think that not voting isn't a vote because choosing to not vote is a vote. It absolutely is because it allows someone else's vote to mean more, because you're not possibly battling that or pushing it in a certain direction. So no vote is a vote, and even for those that aren't comfortable with all the options, yep, sometimes it's a harm reduction model, meaning who will do less harm, and we already know that that's Kamala and Joe. So um, please, 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 for everyone that is marginalized and exploited, we need to vote Democrat this year. But again, we'll be talking more about this. I got you back, y'all. So question of the night, as always, up on our Loveline IG page. Uh, Yeah, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, National Coming Out Day was... Last week, and I put a post up that still, it, it, it got a lot of reposting, resharing, and a lot of comments, um, not so much on my social media, as much as it was taken off of mine. And I thought it was really an important thing to kind of bring to the show. We we haven't really delved that deeply into it. And the interesting thing is, <clears throat> again, a lot of people, when we talk about sexuality and sexual orientation, people really buy into this concept that it's just rooted in gender choice, Right. And I think that that does a really big disservice because that's what that's what that's what kind of keeps this divide between gay and straight alive, and it's somewhat of a false construct. You know, you have to think historically where this identity that our our, our sense of self being tied to partner choice or sexual interest that's a frequently utilize way to identify ourselves. But historically, that wasn't always the case. Um, Many people didn't use terms like hetero or homo. We weren't using those as classifications. Everyone was just seen as the same quote unquote, right? We used other divides, religion, race, class. And um, People that engaged in same-sex behavior, there's a lot of really pathologized terms for it, but it wasn't it wasn't seen as an identity. It wasn't the totality of someone's self as it is now. We really use that as a powerful demarcator and very much an us versus you. Now, the reason why it's really powerful is because that's what keeps the closet in place. And I was talking about this on the show and also on the social media post that... The work is about getting rid of the closet. It hurts my heart that people have to struggle about bringing their total sexual self and all of its creative, diverse ways to people they love and that they have anxiety around being rejected by that or rather rejected because of it. And um, if we just move through the world, holding space for the possibility that this person before us is more diverse or creative than we think and that they're not rooted in the norm, that starts to remove this sense of the closet. People shouldn't have to come out right? Their, their sexual interest should really be relegated more so to when they're trying to date or when they're engaging in sex with someone, it should have to be such a center point. I would love it for us to get to a time when we don't have to necessarily separate out bars where it's not a straight bar versus a gay bar. I'd love to get to a time where things are a little more integrated and people can just exist and people can approach and, and, and try to court whoever they court. And if someone approaches you that you're not attracted to, or they're of a different gender, you just lovingly pass, right? What do, what do you do? What do heterosexual people do when someone who they're not attracted to hits on them? You just lovingly say, Oh, thanks. I'm really complimented, but I'm not interested. Well, that's the same thing you do. If someone of the gender you're not attracted to hit on you. If someone who's gay is hit on by someone of the opposite gender, that's what they say. And if someone who's straight is hit on by someone of the opposite gender, that's what they say. It doesn't necessarily have to be such a such a fragile moment. But even bigger than that, my whole concept is about us all needing to come out, right? We live in a very sexually anxious sex sex phobic culture. And so a lot of individuals have not necessarily fully explored their own sexuality or even brought that to a partner. And if you're in a monogamous relationship, remember, everyone's limits become everyone's limits. We're limited by the limit of the other right? Because they take things off the table, we take things off the table based on what we're turned on by or not turned on by, and then we just do what's left over. That's called leftover sex. And a lot of people aren't aware that there's an explorative piece to this. Everyone thinks that you land on your gender choice and that's it. Oh, you know, gay or I'm straight, case closed. And that's not true. It's very much an open-ended, ongoing, active system. And again, if you look at what turned you on as a child, as we uh, grow up and we're exposed to new things and new people and new sexual experiences, those things often get folded into the constellation that truly is our sexuality, our sexuality and our sexual orientation. It's this really big, large constellation, and these different pieces get folded into that. And so we all have coming out to do. So it's like two points I'm making here, where we all have coming out to do. Where you know, it's the rare person that is just into the most basic, basic vanilla uh, standard things. Most of us, there's behaviors we love more than others, uh, positions we love more than others, parts of our body, um, things someone might be wearing, scenarios, power play. It's far bigger than just, I like boys or I like girls. And again, work with a lot of individuals that have never been known deeper than that. But also I want people to know that every time you're with a new partner, you're a virgin again. Who am I when I'm with this new partner? who is this new partner? They're not gonna be the same as the partners I've had prior. And so we have to enter all new relationships and all new sexual experiences saying, I don't know what parts of myself might get brought out. I don't know what I might get introduced to by this new partner. And that might become a new part of my sexual orientation. Again, bigger than just, do I like boys or do I like girls, do I like both? Or do I even like neither, right? So it's this ongoing open system, but a lot of people in our culture don't value or honor that, even within psychology, right? We've talked about this a zillion times. You are not trained in sexology, sex therapy, or human sexuality in school. So a lot of therapists are out there practicing just winging it, and it doesn't work. It's a true science. There's a true scholarship to it. And that's why this work isn't getting brought in. And it's really valuable stuff because, again, it's in our sexuality that we learn about our traumas, our body esteem, our self-esteem, our boundaries, our communication skills. It's all in there. Um, And if we just look at the body piece you know, the sense of desirability that we have tied to our body, how how much market value we feel like it has, that is what we carry with us. Our body is a vehicle. We move through the world with that. So the feelings we have about our body, it's going to impact how we show up in every scenario, not just dating or sexuality, but also work life, family life, social life. It's a huge, vast piece of who we are. Um, and there's a lot of lesser known parts because again, a lot of people don't Uh, explore or study this or talk about it. We're seeing more of it on television, but in the next segment, when we come back, I want to really break down some of these new creative diverse forms as a way to normalize and as a way for some people to start to find identities that kind of clarify who they are and also terminology so they can speak to others about who they are. So we're going to come back and talk about that. So, you know, really use it as a segment to learn more about the world, but also more about yourself. Um, Also question of the night, as always is up on our Loveland IG page. Uh, You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. And we will be back in two minutes with that two minute promise. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about sexuality, but in its biggest, most vast forms. And in the last segment, we are just talking about how there's so much creative, diverse ways of being. But a lot of people aren't familiar with these terms because, again, we're afraid to talk about sexuality. It's the rare person that's actually sat down and said, let me look at how vast, how creative, how diversified all the things that I desire and I'm aroused by are. Because that is your sexual orientation. It is not just the gender choice, right? And therapy doesn't tend to explore that. Our personal lives don't. We don't learn about that in school. So it's like, where do we learn how to pick up these pieces? It's It's my show that is, is one of the rare sites that really walks you through this. My two books do sex outside the lines and rebel love. Those are both great resources to drop in deeper, to understand more, to kind of expand. They're very much written as a way to take people on a journey. But, um, I was saying how on national coming out day last week, last week, or it was like actually the weekend. Um, I started posting some lesser known forms of identifying sexually as a way to just let people have languaging, right? Because language is truth. Language is is authenticity. authenticity. Language is realness. Language is a way that we kind of give form to who we are. Language is a way that we normalize, right? So when we have a word for something, we start to feel normal. And also, we can start to find community and like-minded others, and so that's why identification is really important. But the caveat is, I always tell people to hold these identities very loosely, hold labels loosely, because they limit and they confine, and we don't want to make it about trying to be the best, you know, heterosexual or the best asexual or whatever it is. You're allowed to be a little more fluid. You're allowed to have one leg in and one leg out. That that is what psychology is about. No one's ever a hundred percent gonna meet all the criteria of any identity. And remember these are made up, right? all these psychological diagnoses, they're made up. We came up with a term and we looked at people that tend to have similar criteria and we call them that term, but there's always people that are inside of it and partially outside of it. There's people that live in these identities for some period of times and not others. So it's kind of like even when we talk about bisexuality, it's not 50, 50. Bisexual does not mean I like men and women the same amount. Bisexuality means I like both. It can be 90, 10, 80, 20, 70, 30, 95-5. It can be whatever percentages, you could be 99% straight, but 1% interested in same-sex sexuality may be just in whatever form that is, and that could be bisexuality for you. Um, you're allowed to choose your label. So the first thing we were talking about is the difference between sexual orientation and romantic orientation. They're, they're two separate things. For some people, they're the same, that they are sexually aroused by the same gender that they like to date and be in relationship with. But for some people, it's separate. Some people, they might be bisexual, right? So their sexual orientation is about all genders. But they might, in terms of romantic, be hetero-romantic, where they only like to date someone of the opposite sex, right? So some people are hetero-romantic and heterosexual. They date and have sex with the same gender. Some people, again, can be diversified in what they date and less in so much of what they have sex with. So those are two separate processes. So again, you can be attracted to one or more genders, but only romantically and relationally interested in one specific gender. Also, there's this new term that I'm trying to get out there is called being a side. And that's someone who's not into penetrative sex. And that's really pushes back on cultural norms. Because in our culture, we think that penetrative sex is true sex, is the real thing. But for some people, they don't like penetration. They're not a top. They're also not a bottom right? So that's a powerful designation. Also, not all straight men are tops, some straight men are bottoms. And that really gets in the way of some heterosexual defined women where they want their partner to quote unquote be a man. But again, that's when we're starting, st- we're stepping into toxic masculinity when you're putting these assumptions on a man, let, let everyone just be who they are. And that's not always gonna be tied to the norms or values or expectations because of their gender. So <clears throat> the other one we're talking about is phrase sexual, and that's someone who loses interest once they get to know someone. So they get into relationships for romance often, but the sex will stop. And they do best in hookup culture or in open relationships. Again, phrase sexual is someone where they like one night stands, you know, that newness, that novelty, really sexually rousing. But the more they get to know someone, the less sexual interest they have. So their relationships then become more romantic based. But they do really good in one night stands and hookup culture. And they're the kind of people that are more prone towards. Open styles, so if you're struggling with monogamy, which monogamy is not right for everyone, it's not doable by everyone, maybe it's because you're more frasexual. Um, and then there's the opposite, demisexual, which is someone who delays sex, and they like to really get to know someone romantically and relationally first. And then once they really build that romantic relational connection, then they have sexual interest. And again, the phrase sexual is the opposite, right? And both of those are healthy. Both of those are appropriate. And then also we have solo sexual. That's someone who is their orientations about sex with themselves. So there's someone who's more about masturbation, toys with themselves, maybe some pornography, but they're not really geared toward or interested in partnered sex, maybe not even at all. And so that's going to be a relationship where someone usually, again, sex is about themselves and with their partner. Maybe they're affectionate. Maybe they're romantic. And sometimes they will be having sex with their partner. That's the thing. These aren't hard lines. There's always going to be... Um, outliers or caveats or special exceptions. These are not supposed to be hard, fast definitions, and this does not include everything. And then, of course, there's also asexual people, people who don't have any sexual attraction. They still will have sex sometimes because why not? Because their partner wants it, because maybe it's fun, maybe because it's a release, but they're not someone who has a lot of sexual attraction. So they don't understand when someone's walking around talking about how horny they are maybe or all the energy they have in terms of an interest in someone. And then finally, I was landing on fetish sex. And that's someone whose orientation is more geared towards activities and objects. It's less about the person or even sometimes the gender of the person. It's not about the person. It's about the behavior, the object, or the body part. And again, these are not everything. There's so much more outside of this. There's people that have exceptions and limits to this. But this is just a sense of normalizing. We're allowed to have a creative, diverse form of sexuality and still be very, very healthy. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore with confidence. DMs always come from our Love Line IG page, so if you have a thought, a question, a concern, drop on in there. We're here to answer. <laughs> Just be kind because uh, no one <clears throat> has to be on the receiving end of anyone's cold, harsh thoughts or opinions, you know? <laughs> We're here for honest, healthy debate and dialogue and conversation, but uh, no attacking, no name calling. Oh, bless it. All right. This one's a long one, so bear with me. Hey, Dr. Chris, I just learned that I do something called maladaptive daydreaming. Basically, I will daydream for hours on end, made up characters and storylines. Depending on the day, I could spend up to five hours daydreaming. My therapist thinks it's okay that I do this and that it's a way for me to cope with anxiety. She thinks it's okay as long as it doesn't prevent me from doing things I need to do or interacting with the real world which it doesn't. I still take care of myself. I go to work, I see friends, just can't help but think that this is super problematic. Or I think it's a sign that there's something wrong with me, especially since maladaptive is part of the name. Do you think this is an okay way to cope with anxiety? And do you think there's a sign that this is a more serious mental health issue? Uh, Your therapist is correct. Um, I I don't agree that there's such a thing as maladaptive daydreaming. I don't use words like that. Daydreaming is acceptable. Again, are you allowed to uh, zone out and uh, use five hours of watching football to cope? Then you can daydream for five hours. Are you allowed to spend five hours watching Real Housewives marathons? You're allowed to daydream for five hours. Are you allowed to daydream and read a book? Because again, we have to be very thoughtful when we use these terms. Right-brain activity, whether it's watching a football game or a movie or uh, you know, sitting in a bathtub listening to music or reading a book or lost in thought while you're running for five hours are all different ways of shifting into a different part of our brain or our consciousness. So again, if you're allowed to go for a, a long jog for five hours, watch football for five hours, daydream for five hours, excuse me, I mean watch Real Housewives for five hours or whatever it is, you can daydream too. You're also allowed to masturbate for five hours if you got the time. Like we are allowed to all, it's so interesting how we have so much pleasure pleasure, shame in our culture. We are so full of shame and and guilt when we do anything that is just rooted in fun or self-care. And that's a form of it. If you have five amazing hours to lay on your couch and let your mind wander, do it. That is also how people create storylines that become scripts and songs and books. I have two books published. The way that those came to be is letting myself daydream. I wander through the day constructing theory and concepts. So it's not maladaptive. In fact, it's quite adaptive because it's enhancing in your life. It has increased your ability to cope with anxieties in your life. So your therapist is absolutely correct. We're allowed to check out. We're allowed to cope. We're allowed to self-soothe. It's called self-care. And you're allowed to daydream for as long as you want. There's no right way to spend your day. You know? There's no right way to cope. We're allowed to eat our feelings. We're allowed to use sex. We're allowed to use shopping. We just want to be very thoughtful about the impact it's having on the rest of our life. But if you've got a beautiful five hours to do self-care on a Saturday or Sunday, read, write, paint, dance, daydream, watch a movie, watch two movies, (laughs) it's all the same thing. We have to stop pathologizing things that are just different. But remember, everyone's daydreaming, always, always. When I'm alone in my office between clients, I'm daydreaming. My mind's wandering. I'm thinking. When I'm thinking back to a conversation I had or I want to have, that's daydreaming. Your mind's wandering, right? It's rare that we're just in this present moment. And that's okay. We don't need to be. You're allowed to go into the future. You're allowed to future trip. You're allowed to go back into your past. That's what a lot of therapy. Is spending time in your past. So be kind to yourself. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. Question of the night, as always, up on our Line G page. And uh, when we come back to be talk about the ever-important election stress? We'll talk about it a lot more. Um, and again, it's just something we have to learn kind of to cope with and manage. We, it's not something to get rid of. We can't. Real things are happening that are worthy of stress. And some of that stress is a very motivating force or emotional experience, so we want that. We don't ever want to shame an understandable expected response to something that's happening. It's okay. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, I promised we were going to talk a little bit about election stress. So interesting. So we can't ever necessarily separate everything out right now. And that's why I'm telling people uh, I don't use diagnoses. I don't think that they're very helpful. For some people, they are. They normalize. They build community. Uh, I try to stay away from that. I think it can be a little self-fulfilling. And it leaves out context where well, right now a lot of people are feeling depressed and anxious. A lot of people right now are maybe misusing drugs and alcohol. And we have to go easy on ourselves. We've talked about that extensively. Um Having said that, it's really hard to separate out what's causing what. You know, here in California, we were dealing with fire fires. Uh Forest fire, excuse me. And um, COVID's happening. We're still in a pandemic that's raging. We still, here at least in California, don't have access to much. So, all of that talk about the stress of being home with family. You're trying to work. Some families are sharing one computer, maybe no Wi Fi, and they're trying to go to school and work and get their needs met. We have financial insecurity, employment insecurity, and then the elections coming and if you're of any marginalized or exploited identity, you are nervous about Trump getting reelected because we're watching them try to roll back marriage, put people in positions of power that want to take away the right to abortion or I should say the safe, safe access to abortion because abortions will still happen, it's just that they won't be a safe. You know, abortion is a healthcare issue, abortion is a mental health issue. You, you know, when we look at the mental health impact of someone not being able to be in control of their body or their future, the mental health impact of someone being forced to carry carry till full term and birth that that is not on this that is not mental health mental health is going to be actually negatively impacted by that Um, so we have to look at these factors and studies show that people do thrive and do fine after having had an abortion if they have the support and care that they need you know that can be a decision that makes sense to people that doesn't lead to negative outcomes Um, that's just part of reproductive justice people have access to the health care that they need Uh, But again, bigger than that, the election has a lot of different meanings for people, right? The racism and white supremacy that Trump is upholding with his administration, people that are black, people of color, uh, gay people. There's a lot of people really worried. So that's going to create stress. So what does that mean? Well, first off, it means start checking in with yourself. If you are realizing that you're constantly thinking about it, well, then you're going to have to make some big moves and massive boundaries. And that might mean taking days off from it. I'm really proud the night of the... um, it was the vice president, vice presidential debate. People that were like, "I don't have the the resilience or the mental health tonight to watch that." And I thought, "Great, you don't have to. You'll be forced to hear about it. It's okay to not know what took place. We have to look out for ourselves. So you have to think about that. Look, check in with your mental health before you engage media, knowing that the news around the election is going to pop up. Check in with yourself while talking about it or watching about it. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, turn it off." You know, we talk a lot on I'm Listening, the live stream show I do on Thursdays about the impact of music on our mental health. Go listen to some music that's maybe more empowering or uplifting. It's okay to spend days or hours just listening to those things. I've really started to do more checking with myself when I'm feeling like I need a little bit of boost or something stabilizing. I go to music or fun movies. You know, it's okay to take a break from the election. And I think it's a mandate for many of us. So again, check in with yourself. It's okay to back out of things. It's okay to not know. It's okay to not have the up up to date minute by minute. So you can say to someone, yeah, you know what? I didn't, I didn't hear about that news event because I'm centering my mental health and I'm taking a break. That's legitimate. You don't have to worry about what people think or say if you're one of those people that's not keeping up with everything. I think it's a very beautiful act of self-esteem. So... It's only going to get more amplified for a lot of us as we get closer to the election. Um, so start to really track and pay attention to that. And just again, I want to remind everyone, register to vote and vote. The, the clock is ticking. Time's running down. Um, so if you haven't, do so. Figure it out. Go, go get in those lines. Go with your friends. Bring your bag to lunch and your mask. It's worth it. We need to do this. Um, And if you're one of those people that, man, you're still on the fence, get some education, you know? Uh, But again, reach out to those around you. Make sure that they've registered to vote. Help them if they need help and maybe get people together and all go over to the polls because we need to be thinking collectively. You might be in a position where you're not having to worry so much because you don't feel like you're going to be impacted, but there are a lot of people that are and will be. And so it's okay to be forward thinking and looking out for them. So take some time, and uh, have these conversations. I, uh, I have my own anxiety about the election, not just because of how it will impact my own life, but also because of the people I care about in my life that will be negatively impacted, and also people in my clinical practice. You know, I spend hours a week sitting in those conversations talking to people about what options they have, what what actions they can take, and also just starting to accept the possibility that things might not go in the direction of what we're hoping they will, and what will that mean for us? There's grief and loss work in that, right? Um, powerlessness, you know, we can take some actions, which is voting and rallying people, But um, at some point, people are left to their own devices when they're voting and making the decisions they're going to make. And we're at the mercy of that in some ways. We can't all just flee the country. So um, just keep checking in with yourself. And when you're feeling you're getting really overwhelmed, notice what's happening around you and remove yourself. And go do the grounding exercises, which is just taking deep breaths, right? Finding things that soothe you. Oh, man, and build some community. We're all going to be in this together. More to come with that one. You know, God bless it. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about intimacy buffers, all those things that block us from getting close to the ones we care about. It's also going to be a segment that talks about ways to ground ourselves because one of the best ways to ground ourselves is other people. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and uh, as I was saying, you know, we're coming up on the election. People are anxious. We're dealing with COVID, always getting new, knee, new, excuse me, new news, making people anxious. Uh, financial stuff, all sorts of things. So, this is a conversation that really hits two different needs. On one hand, it's how can we really build more resilience and closeness in our relationships. On the other hand, it's also how can we use others and the relationships that are meaningful to us as a way to uh, ground ourselves when we're feeling really anxious or kind of dysregulated. And you know, relationships are the most powerful tool we have. And for some of us, we have to do it from afar. So please know that this some of this is gonna be about people that you are cohabitating with, but there's ways to do it distally, and I'll try to kind of tap on that. So a lot of couples I work with, you know, we talk about intimacy buffers. What are the things that exist that kind of keep you separated and don't allow you to be very present? Because there's two things we want to be paying attention to, transitions and also this whole trifecta that I'm going to give you. The transitions are uh, when we wake up, when we go to bed, when we leave the house, and when we re-enter. Those are really powerful moments to make connection because we're going from a one-person psychological system to a two-person psychological system. For a lot of people, it's very overwhelming to bring someone back in and reconnect. For others, it's a little more smooth. But notice the transitions. When you enter, when you exit, do something ritualistic. And for me, I, pr- I recommend that people say something and do some touch, touch your partner on the shoulder, on the hand, give them a kiss and say, I'll see you later. Or when you come in do the same thing to greet them, make it the first thing you do. It's, it's a, it reconnects B it's an important transition psychologically back and, and C it's just really is a way to also build in, in a robust, resilient way, touch as a resource. Because again, touch is the most regulating thing we have. Think about it. When someone's anxious or upset, you want to touch them. You want to put your arm around them, your hand on their shoulder with consent, unless it's someone you have blanket consent with and you know that they feel safe with you. But that's what we tend to do, right? We want to lean on people, hold people, touch people, hug people. And so we want to make sure that we're always building access to that. Because if it's not something that we're familiar with or have a lot of in our relationship, it can be hard to reach out and, and try to utilize it when you need it. Or it doesn't necessarily feel safe to you, especially if someone who's had traumas around touch and everything that comes with that. So that's the first piece, just those transitions, when you enter, when you exit, and when you fall asleep and when you wake up. That's really beautiful and powerful, and it can really give some resilience to couples. The other thing is, Eye contact, touch, and time together. Those are how we build intimacy with people. And we can do that via social media and and our phones if someone's distant or it's family members, but if we're in the home with them, that's another powerful way to both ground ourselves, right? But that's also how we know that we're spending truly intimate time together. If I'm talking to you while my laptop and you're in the kitchen cooking, we are not making eye contact and there's no touch. And that time together isn't as meaningful because it's not intentional. So it doesn't count. Watching movies with your partner on the couch, a lot of touch. And you're watching a movie, that's great. That's a little better. But if you can really just be sitting down looking at them maybe holding their hands and saying how was your day or let's turn the tv off and just check in how's your week going what have you been up to what have you been thinking about or how's that project that's when it's most powerful so ask yourself like how often am i just sitting there looking at them you can do it at a restaurant or a coffee shop where you're making eye contact you're face to face no distractions maybe you can put your legs against their legs wrap your feet together hold their hands as close as we can get to those three things that's what's going to make us feel very close that's what's going to make us feel very connected that's also what It's gonna make us feel secure and confident to reach out for that when we need it, right? Because we get more familiar with it, it feels safer. So really, really build that in. The couples I work with where they feel lonely, they have a lot of mental health issues, high conflict, they feel distant, they often don't have that intentional time together with touch and eye contact. Because it's either something that was never built in, something that the couple couldn't tolerate, or because of all the issues, that's not something that feels safe or good to them. So use it as somewhat of a barometer. Can we move back towards that? Can we build more of that in? Why is that lacking? Can we get back to it? You need that. Because the whole point of a relationship isn't just to quote unquote have someone. What would that even mean? They're not a possession, right? That's capitalism speaking, right? We want to have a resource, intimacy, get to know them, get to know ourselves. It's very much through others that we get to know ourselves. Our self is reflected back, right? Our self-esteem is reflected back, which is also why we don't want toxic people in our lives. We want people in our lives that reflect back that we have worth and value, and so that's how we can build in meaning to our relationships. It's also how we regulate ourselves. If you're feeling very depressed, very anxious, triggered, go go do that. Find something that you can hold hands with and look at. If you can't do that, do it on FaceTime. That's why I love FaceTime, eye contact. It's far better than just texting or a phone call. You can hear them, you can see them, and really create that intentional time. I've shared before, right now, I'm in a long distance relationship. I am legally not allowed to enter the country that my partner lives in. And so we're making the best, we're sending gifts we're sending photos of our day. We're doing a lot of FaceTiming, really staying close, really staying connected. It works. Finding alternative creative ways of being sexual, right? So those are the things you want to build in. And that's what, with this election stress coming up, start building that in now because it's going to be a rough night and, um, it, or it's going to be a beautiful night, you know, to be continued. We're going to find out, but our, our, our community, that's, what's important. You know, and that's why I'm also saying for our mental health, check in on three people a day, reach out to three people a day, connect with three people a day, really build in a robust community. We need that. You know, people that reflect back, we have worth and value, especially if you're a marginalized, exploited identity, wondering where your place is. It's tough times, you know. Um, We're all doing the best we can. And, you know, I've shared this before when interviewed in terms of mental health, what I wanted to come out of COVID, it was more of a collective responsibility, one more of a universal responsibility. One of us looking out for others. And I'm seeing these videos, just another one cir- circled of, um, I think it was a gay circuit party and just, it was down south somewhere over the over a holiday weekend, whatever the last one was, Colum, well, Indigenous Peoples Day, but some people call it Columbus Day. There's people that got together, just no masks, not caring about the impact they have on others. Just so much privilege and elitism in that. It really hurts to see people not caring about how, how others might suffer based on our decisions. So... I don't know, y'all. Uh, question of the night coming up next. There's still some time to weigh in on that. That, as always, is on our Loveline IG page. That's in the stories. And then some DMs. If you've got a DM for us, always confidential and anonymous, you can drop that in our Loveline DM. Whatever you're thinking or wondering about, probably someone else who might maybe benefit from your question. so drop it in there and uh, Loveline as always is podcasted over at wearechannelq.com you can check out past episodes and my uh, live stream show I'm listening live uh, will be going on forever it might be wrapping down at some point this year um, that's okay you know it, it when it's course. but if you want to check that out that's on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific 8 p.m. Eastern on all the radio.com handles that's their uh, Facebook YouTube and Twitter and you can check out past episodes it's always me and a celebrity talking about their music and, and, and also experts and COVID it's good stuff. Uh, you're listening to A love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. And we'll be back in two minutes with that two-minute promise. All right, y'all. We're back. And now it's time for Question of the Night. All right, y'all. All right. Here we go. On average, during the pandemic, people are getting two hours less of sleep. Are you getting more or less sleep? What? It's helping you. I've been doing both. There are days where I'm getting so much sleep because I'm going to bed early, letting myself sleep in, napping on the couch, letting my mind daydream (laughs) for as long as I have space or time for. I walk around often for hours playing music, picking up books, daydreaming, eating, just wandering and wandering and wandering. Also, there's times where I've been getting less sleep where I go to bed late because I just can't, you know, because I've been basically spending all day doing very little, Eh, So you're not so tired, and then you wake up super early. I've been trying to find the beauty in that. So my whole perspective is don't make a lot out of it. Just let it be. That's what we're doing right now. Remember, we're not doing 100% dropping the bar for ourselves, expectations low, 60%. Even with me, like I was saying that earlier, I'm I'm telling myself like I used to be really good at responding to emails. Now it takes me a couple of days. That's okay. That's how it's going to be. And if that's up, that upsets people, I'm okay with that. People, We're allowed to disappoint people if we're centering our mental health. We're allowed to say no, we're allowed to set boundaries, we're allowed to prioritize our mental health, right? And oftentimes people won't honor those boundaries, we have to hold them anyway. It's okay to let people down. It's better to let people down and frustrate them than for you to abandon yourself, always. Always come back to yourself. And so just let it be. If you're sleeping more cool, if you're sleeping less cool, don't don't make a lot out of it right now. This is a very odd time, right? It's a collective level of trauma for many. And we have to just let our our bodies and our psyches naturally tell us what they need. So let just kind of let it be. We have to be very kind with ourselves. That's why I was really sad that people were maybe pathologizing, daydreaming, you know, like whatever coping we're using, let's let's be kind with it. Yeah, uh, maybe we have to make some harm reduction moves where maybe we reduce or we limit or we take some breaks from. But um be a little kind with yourselves. So question of the night is are you getting more or less sleep? And What's been helping you? Let's see what y'all said. Someone said more, but the quality's worse. My sound machine helps. Bam, I sleep with a fan. I either sleep with the air conditioning going or I sleep with a small fan. I need that white noise is what they call it where it's just consistent, low-level noise. Uh, If I travel and the hotel's silent, I can't sleep. I need a little bit of noise. So I appreciate that. So maybe think about that. A sound machine. Yeah, for some people, that's what's gonna do it. Also because it can distract your mind. When we go to sleep, we don't have anything to distract us. And that's why a lot of people lay down and all the anxieties flood into their body, into their minds, and they start getting stressed. So a way to combat that is to give your mind something to distract or think about. It's why I recommend for a lot of people, go to bed with the TV on. Your mind will be paying attention to the television and you'll be able to fall asleep. So for some people, the solution is just go to sleep with the television on. Others go to sleep listening to a podcast, go to sleep listening to the radio, go to sleep with the sound machine. It's okay to go to sleep with the aid of something, just like it's okay to wake up and use coffee. You know, we don't need to be perfect human beings without the s- supplemental complimentary help of something outside of ourselves. I know people that want to be a purist and they're like, well, I don't want to be, you know, needing the use of caffeine. Why? We need the use of a lot of things. I, I wear shoes. I wear glasses or contacts. Um, I use the aid of a lot of different things. I use a toothbrush. I use floss. I use a shaver. Like we're we're allowed to use technology. You know what I mean? We're we're quite transhuman at this point. We literally have technology and and, and non-human things built into our bodies to help us walk for mobility, to heal injuries. Like... It's okay to need to fall asleep with the television on, you know what I mean. But some people push back on that as though, as though we should just be able to fall asleep without. No, not not in the world we've built. <laughs> we have a lot of systems that stress people out. We have people worrying about healthcare, whether or not you know their human rights will be taken away. So do what you need to do. Be kind with yourself. So again, the question tonight: Are you getting more or less sleep? What's helping you? Someone said more. Working from home lets me have more sleep. Don't have to get up early to commute. Right? It's a beautiful thing. Go right to the fridge on your lunch break. Take a little nap. I'm telling you. I've been wearing nothing but sweatpants, sweatpants and a baseball cap, keeping it comfortable. Someone else said melatonin and cloudy pens. <laughs> I have not heard it said that way. Yeah, for some people, cannabis, where it's legal, <clears throat> absolutely very helpful. You know, an indica kind ease of you, ease you down into sleep. I'm all about it. There's some really great teas, sleepy time tea with valerian root. Big fan of that one too. Again, cannabis for some people. And melatonin. Here's the thing though. Melatonin will help you fall asleep. It doesn't help you stay asleep right? You need, um, I think it's, you need GABA to help you stay asleep. So that's why some people take melatonin and then wake up in the middle of night when it runs through their system. Um, so lemon balm though has some GABA in it. And so it can be a melatonin lemon balm cocktail and that will help you stay asleep. So i I'm getting more hours of sleep, but my sleeping hours are fragmented. I know I have that as well. Allow that, get up, do some things, maybe lay back down different time, different needs y'all. So now said more sleep, but because I'm going to bed, earlier out of nothing to do i know i've had those nights where you're like well might as well just go to sleep (laughs) nothing else is happening i can't keep watching reruns of whatever it is i at nighttime i'm needing to watch very soothing shows so my system my nervous system and my psyche can kind of calm down i don't watch really triggering shows it's about an hour before bed i turn off the horror movies and put on like (laughs) golden girls or something or seinfeld both very soothing uh, someone else said, uh, having a routine helps. Also try to bedtime alarm on your iPhone. It's great. Yeah, I agree with that. If, if you try to go to bed at the same time, wake up. Pretty helpful uh, routine as well. Like I just said, I, I I switch the television show I'm kind of watching. Sometimes make some tea because it starts to signal to your body we're winding down and we're getting ready for bed. And that's why routine helps, right? It, it, it naturally triggers and helps you settle down into that state. All right, y'all. Thanks for those that participated. Question of the night for tomorrow is already up. Question uh, DMs next. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Time for DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world, and we want you to support with confidence. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Drop them in those DMs. This one is a little long as well, but we like that. Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. My name is Alexandria from Orlando, Florida. Last few months, I've been seeing a guy who lives in New York. Started off on Tinder, then Zoom. All right, see the, see the natural progression? I like it. Tinder, then Zoom. Which, by the way, P.S., uh, you know that show, Catfish? <clears throat> on uh, the Explorer function on my IG, I happen to fall onto Nev, um, the host. Uh, and it was just a funny quick post. And he's basically saying, like, no one's ca- no one's video or camera phone is broken if they will not get on uh, a FaceTime, a Zoom, a Skype, or whatever it is. They're catfishing you. So anyway, I'm glad you progressed to the Zoom. <clears throat> but back to your question. Since August, we've seen each other in person twice. I'm still keeping my options open as far as Tinder goes. So is he. The only difference is I'm open and honest about who I've been seeing and he hasn't been. I'll watch his story and he's out with friends and didn't tell me. I know it sounds crazy because we aren't dating, but my whole thing is like we're in a pandemic. I don't want him coming to Florida to hang out and hook up if he's out partying with whoever. My question is, should I tell him that it bothers me or should I just drop him and keep searching? Oh, man. Well, I always recommend sticking around a little bit longer. As long as we're not in an abusive situation, give it another date when in doubt, another text, another phone call, another hangout. And none of that's necessarily a red flag. I don't know if you've talked about how, hey, listen, you know, whatever you choose to do socially while not around me, when you do come see me, I'm then put out, set at risk what I would honestly recommend is that he should be getting tested before he comes to see you. I, I because I, that's, that's the surest thing people see weird loopholes that are really fascinating where they'll say, I haven't been around anyone. And then it turns out, so they'll say they haven't been around anyone. And then it turns out that they have just this one person though. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, wait a minute. So I think you should, I think it's okay to say, you know, listen, um, clearly go have fun with your friends you don't need to tell me that you're going to have, to have see your friends but I know that you do at times and so that sets me up at a risk and so next time you want to see me or we're gonna see each other we need to get tested I have a hundred percent period that it's so again the problem isn't what he's doing socially it's whether or not he's getting tested but you might realize that that's something he's not willing to do or it's still overwhelming to you and then you have to realize this person is a risk so you can then keep talking And this is someone who's more of a distal casual dating partner, as it sounds like they are. And when we're able to get vaccines, then you all can start dating in a different way. But yeah, right now things are got to be a little funky. So I know I'm not, if I'm seeing someone from another state, they're not just going to roll in and we're going to be hanging out, making out, sharing space and droplets. They need to be tested. So it's more about that, but <clears throat> yeah, talk about it, but don't just drop them. I don't I don't think it's a case of dropping them. That only comes up if you bring this forward and they say that they don't care, you know? But um, I'm glad you're thinking thinking about it and taking care of yourself because again, you do not want COVID. No hookups worth that. No, no partners worth that. All right, y'all. I'll slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about how to raise... Our quote unquote boys with more emotional intelligence. Yep, that's how we prevent a lot of mental health issues and also just build better people and better relationships. So we got to be doing that work. As always, Question of the Night is up on our Love Line AG page and uh, Love Line, podcasted over at WeAreChannelQ.com. and my live stream show. I'm listening live every Thursday at 5 p.m., 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, and that's on all the radio.com handles, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook, so check that out, and past episodes. You guys, focus on self-care, joy, and rest. Again, be kind with yourselves, whether you need to daydream, put on a little weight, eat some of those delicious foods because they make you happy and nothing more than that, and also get on those apps. (laughs) Start flirting, court some people. Everyone's lonely and looking for some love and connection, so you'll be a little, you'll be a gift being brought into someone's life. (laughs) What a beautiful thing to have around the holiday time. And in some places, not California, it's getting cold out. You know, let them let them hug you in their minds. All right, y'all. So as always, thanks for hanging out with me, and have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.